<laughs> what does failure mean to you? Is it the loss on the tennis court? The size your surefire home run is robbed at defense? The cold and gloomy embrace of the lake after a wrong move in a canoe tilt? We're all familiar with these feelings, some of us, unfortunately, more so than others. For most of my life, failure meant giving up. If you look on the internet for more than 30 seconds, you'll see thousands of quotes from the great figures of history telling you to just keep pushing or never give up. These have become common parts of our greater cultural lexicon. From the millionaire motivational speakers to the most well-meaning but, let's say, expressive guy at the gym, everyone says the same thing. Never give up. Failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. For most of my life, it seemed from the beginning failure was an essential part of my being, ingrained, inherent, unchanging, ever-present. There is a photo in my family that has achieved legendary status in the annals of Campbell lore. I do not exaggerate when I say it will be fossilized in some ember and displayed on a mantelpiece for generations to come, much to my disappointment. It is a photo of me from my kindergarten graduation at the age of six. I am brandishing the diploma in one hand and appear to be doing some sort of celebratory spin a la Maria from The Sound of Music to demonstrate. <laughs> I have what I can only describe as the brilliant smile of a boy who is not aware of the depth of his own unfathomable ignorance. I was under the impression that I was done with school forever and that the rest of my life would consist of playing with building blocks and recreating the Battle of Helm's Deep with my older brothers in our playroom. It came as a great shock to my untried mind when my mother started borrowing school supplies from me later that summer. As you might imagine, school was a challenge for me. It always has been. This reared its ugly head in the sixth grade, the winter before my first summer on the hillside as I entered middle school. From the beginning, it was clear that I was slower than the other kids in my class. I'd watch with envy as my classmates easily made sense of equations that were baffling to me. Quotients, problems, circumference, y equals mx plus b, all strange combinations of letters and numbers that were at best mildly tangible and at worst a strange mixture of hieroglyphics and a poorly designed dinner menu. I would look down at the worksheet with simple problems on it and be racked with horrible anxiety. Several times my teacher called on me to complete a problem only to horribly <coughs> mess it up and hear the frustrated groans and laughs of my classmates and it only made it more humiliating. I began to distance myself from the problem at, in high school, wearing a hood to class, hiding in the back and goofing off, laughing with my friends as the failing tests and quizzes piled up. I had given up on myself and my future. I had just decided that I was set to be a failure my whole life, and that I was an idiot. This fatalistic attitude was reflected in my studies as I was held back in science and math classes twice. While, other, while others went on to physics and trigonometry, I floundered in biology and algebra one, falling behind again and again. I was called into a meeting with te my teachers and, and school psychologists to discuss the problem. After much deliberation, as I sat in the room saying nothing, I was told I struggled with executive function. For those of you who don't know, executive function is a set of mental skills that help you get things done. These skills are controlled by the frontal lobe part of the brain, and they there include managing time, paying attention, planning and organizing, remembering details, and multitasking. When your executive function maybe isn't functioning as well as it should, uh, your behavior is controlled in the following ways. It's harder for you to go to school and pay attention and do things independently or maintain your relationships. One of my teachers, noting my troubling performance in her social studies class, gave the tactful proposal that perhaps I was just quote-unquote special. The room went silent after that. If any correction was made, if any words were said, I did not hear them. Special was not a term of endearment you might imagine at my high school. It was a word used for kids who had to sit in smaller classrooms. 
whispered between friends at certain kids who sat at the lunch table with teachers. It was, in my mind, a confirmation of what I already knew. Idiot. Loser. Inattentive. I went home that evening and cried for hours. I tore up all my homework for my classes, sat on my bed, and did not eat for the next day and a half. I began to distance myself from friends, skipping classes, getting detention for skipping those classes, and skipping the detention that was given to me. I would, at any possible turn, avoid doing homework and would often lie to get out of the responsibility. I would look my parents in the eyes and be dishonest in assuring them that teachers had to be, had to be wrong or that, I, or that I had done the work. Eventually, they lost total faith in me and often had to call the school to see if their son had done his fair duty. So I drifted, shaken, but attempted to, excuse me, but I attempted to hide it under a guise of ironic detachment many often do. I began making mean-spirited jokes and being a class clown. That got me in with some of the popular crowd, but their respect was ephemeral. They would laugh at my jokes and then ignore my phone calls or text, text asking to hang out after school. This came to a head when one of my peers remarked that he didn't want to hang out with a kid like me. Except he used a very different word. I would have stayed that way, passive, angry at the world, uncaring, depressed, and subjecting myself to my fate, if not for the undying faith and care of those around me. Every night my, when my father got home from another long shift at the hospital, he would find time to sit with me and work through math problems and lab reports. He would very patiently explain and walk through the work with me, sometimes until midnight, then wake up the next morning at 5 a.m., then do it all again the next night. My mother did the same, making it her personal project to get me to be an organized student. Carried over to camp as well. My 14 year old summer, Townley patiently helped me shore up my understanding of basic algebra. I can recall many times when campers much younger than me would take a break from their game of chess or wall ball and help me with a problem or two. They never judged me, only supported me. My dad gave me a piece of advice that is commemorated on my dorm room door at Bennington College that I still reference to this day. There are those who write things down and those who forget, which admittedly, I didn't write down initially, so I forgot for about two weeks of the semester until I wrote down a reminder to put it up, and then I put it up. These were people who gave me faith in myself to succeed, the faith I needed to take the leap and trust myself. My growth as a student was gradual. There were many hours of, many hours of time alone going through flashcards, <coughs> making binders, color-coordinated, working with tutors who were all paragons of patience and kindness. I forced myself to confront the issues that plagued me. Eventually, my grades began to climb, and I graduated from high school on time, and now attend my dream school, studying acting, the joy of my life. I tell you this story not to inspire you, not just to inspire you, but because your relationship with failure will define your life. Failure, and how one responds to it, is one of the essential tenets of one's character. At camp, there are many opportunities to thrive and prosper, but with these come failure. You will lose. You will catch a crab. You will miss a line. You, will be you might be disciplined for a misdeed, or you might overlook a detail that will cost your dorm valuable points in inspection. This does not make you bad. It does not mean you can't be helped. It makes you human. Mr. Vinny, put it astutely during his chapel talk this summer that we need to approach this summer with a growth mindset. 
You must not let the views of others or your own fear of failing again distract you from achieving the bottomless potential that stirs in all of us, just yearning to be released. Utilize failure. Understand it, acknowledge it, and learn to grow from the mistakes of the past. I'd like to end off with two quotes. One from the new philosopher general of Camp Pasquani, Dr. Jordan Peterson, and one from my mother. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to someone else, not to who someone else is today. Compare yourself yet to compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not who someone else is today. And from the wise words of my mother, a man with a plan is a powerful man. As the summer comes to a close in the next two weeks, allow yourself the chance to fail. Allow yourself to struggle in pain and allow yourself the opportunity to do better. You will only grow stronger. Thank you.